And welcome back to this edition of Sports Talk. Great to be with you on this uh, Monday night. Doug Miles and uh, Don Henderson with you as uh, we uh, just had a great weekend of uh, sports, uh, particularly in college football and uh, pro football. But uh, we're going to talk a little Philadelphia sports right now with a man who's uh, been covering uh, Philadelphia sports for a long time, great sports writer. And uh, I'll let Don uh, do the introduction because Don and uh, Rick Westcott go back a ways. Don, I'll let you take it. Well, Rich Westcott has been a long time in Philadelphia, as you indicated, Doug. Uh, we've been in the Philadelphia Sports Writers together for a great number of years. And just to preface uh, our conversation tonight, uh, Rich and I did a show uh, last week one day, and uh, I let him explain why it all came about. But uh, I opened up the paper here in Sarasota, Florida, and I opened the sports section, and here's Rich Westcott has uh, got a story on the front page of the Herald Tribune about a player that played at Sarasota, lived at, played, played at Venice, but lived in Sarasota. And I said, what the heck is this? A guy from Philadelphia is writing a story in the paper here. So, Rich, let's, let's bring you in because uh, you've been a long-time sports writer. We've got a lot of things to talk about tonight. But let's start off with what got the conversation going last week in the front page of the Herald Sports section. Well, <clears throat> stories about Dalton Guthrie, who uh, is a Sarasota native, and uh, he uh, was with the Phillies. So he called him up from the minor leagues in early September, and he was on the uh, roster throughout the end of the season. He, he wasn't on the roster for the World Series, but uh, <clears throat> he did nevertheless suit up and sit in the dugout. And uh, so since he was from Sarasota, and uh, the, the ironic thing is uh, – reason I got talking about him in the first place is that my uh, daughter lives in Sarasota, and her her daughter, my granddaughter, is married to a guy who, who uh, knew Guthrie and his brother. So we got talking about him, and uh, I learned that his father was also there. He'd pitched in the big leagues for 15 years. And uh, so I got talking to uh, Dalton when he was at the ballpark one night, and it just seemed to be a pretty good story. So we went from there. And uh, lo and behold, uh, the Sarasota paper played it uh, up very nicely. Well, not only that, but uh, he came up, as you indicated, at the end of the season, month of September, but he was there. And the big thing was he got a couple of hits at RBI. Uh, he didn't just uh, come in and not produce. No, that's true. He did. And uh, he got a home run while he was here. He didn't have that many uh, trips to the plate. But, uh, you know, he... he indicated that he was a pretty good player and I think the Phillies are going to be able to uh, use him well in the, in the future. He's let's had, talk uh, a little bit about the relationship between he and his dad because uh, that was very strong and that was a big part of your of your column here in the Sarasota paper that, you know, how they worked together. Well, you know, as I said, his dad pitched 15 years in the big leagues and uh, uh, Dalton told me that the, his dad took him under his wing and started to teach him the rudiments of the game when he was a kid and that he uh, really uh, paid a lot of attention to what his dad was saying and learned the game from him and he thanked his dad for putting him where he is today and uh, it was uh, it was a lot nice a lot of nice uh, things he had to say about him about his dad and, and how much he learned from his dad uh as a baseball player, and, and, and it was kind of a night combination. And as he said, I was really lucky to have a dad who played big league baseball. Not many kids do that, have that. So, you know, it, it worked out well from that standpoint for him. And, 
he he uh, paid tribute to his dad very nicely. Well, before I bring Doug back in again, uh, you've written 27 books, but you've written six books primarily about the Philadelphia history of the Philadelphia Phillies and uh, the story of Philadelphia Philly baseball. But uh, at the same time, a very exciting time in Philadelphia this year because nobody expected at the beginning of the season, certainly nobody expected in the middle of the season. And by the time it came to going to the playoffs, everybody had written the Phillies off going to St. Louis. But uh, that wasn't what happened. Well, uh, uh, no, nobody, I don't think, anywhere expected them to go into the playoffs in the first place. And they didn't have a real great September as it was. But, uh, you know, they, they won just enough to qualify. And, uh, you know, then they went from one playoff to the next to the next and got to the World Series. And there again, who, who would have ever thought? But uh, they were going to go to the World Series this year. That was just not part of the picture. But uh, lo and behold, there they were. And uh, okay, so they they didn't win it, but uh, they sure put up a a good good fight. And uh, only drawback really was a no hitter, which uh, uh, I, I question whether or not you can call it a no hitter. Really, okay, they didn't get any hits, but. You know, when you have that many guys going into the game and pitching, it's it's a little less than a no-hitter is really. Um, and I happen to write a book on no-hitters. And uh, we we uh, wrote about, uh, I did this book a long time ago with Alan Lewis. Uh, I'm sure, Don, you remember him with the, the Enquirer many years. And, uh, you know, we, we wrote a book on all, each each no-hitter pitched up until the uh, year 2000. And, uh, you know, the, all the no-hitters we always talked about were the ones that pitcher pitched a complete game. So this was a little different, and, you know, uh, I, we've talked about this since the game itself. We wondered, you know, I mean, the, the way pitching staffs are handled these days is totally different, but you would have thought, at least the manager would have let him stay in a little bit longer to see if he could, you know, pitch a, pitch a couple more innings of a no-hitter. But, you know, that's the way it is these days. Doug, I'll bring you in now. We'll talk a little bit more about uh, what you would, uh, as you observed the season so far. I was going to say, uh, the, you talk about the uh, no-hitter by committee. It uh, wasn't, wasn't exactly uh, Don Larson, was it, from uh, 1956? But uh, <laughs> I, I think, we're, we're like right. you mentioned, Rick, we're, we're not going to see uh, the complete game no-hitters anymore because these managers are so uh, sticking to the uh, you know, analytics. Uh, no matter how good he's doing, the pitcher, if he hits that pitch number, they're going to pull them out, so it's a rarity. Probably oh, yeah. going to see hardly any no hitters anymore. Well, the word no hitter, as well as the word shutout and complete game, um, you know, they're they're words of the past. And you know, here I I just uh, read I forget who it was, but <clears throat> the guy who who led the league in uh, I guess it was the American League in complete games had six complete games, mm. which was more than the whole rest of the league. I think oh. it was the American League. I'm not sure which, but uh, that's that's uh, the route that complete games have gone these days, and you know, I mean, uh, I I did a book on uh, amazing Phillies feats, uh, which was my last book actually, and one of the things I I wrote about was Robin Roberts completed twenty six twenty eight complete games in a row, 
you know, I mean, that's, that's absolutely astounding in today's uh, game, you know. But things are changing, that's for sure. And that brings us back to, uh, you, we talked about it uh, before as well, and, you know, uh, Wheeler, who was Philly's best pitcher primarily, he hadn't had a great deal of success the last couple of games, but there were only runners on first and third and one out. I mean, and, and uh, yeah, well, I think it was one out. I mean, one out or no, you'll, you'll know better than I. I can't remember. Uh, and all of a sudden, uh, they come out and they take him out of the game. And, and he only gave up, what, two hits before that? And uh, that was a little astounding to you. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, that that's happened all season. And uh, I, I remember it happened to Nola one game. He was pitching a three-hit shutout in the seventh inning. And he gives up a hit, and boom, they took him out. You know, and and look look at the thing with Alvarado. You know, they take out Wheeler because the left-handed batter is coming up, and they bring in Alvarado, and boom, he gives up a three-run homer, and that's the end of the series. He pulled a Mitch Williams on him. (laughs) Talking about your book, uh, Rick, on the, the Phillies' feats, uh, I guess you could almost make an analogy. I think the Phillies may have had a little more success, maybe, but kind of with the New York Mets, some you know great years, classic years, but heartbreaking losses along the way, and then some you know tremendous years where they we saw them win the World Series down here against Tampa about uh, 12, 13 years ago, and then of course this year the unexpected, uh, like the 1973 Mets in a sense, getting to the playoffs, getting to the World Series. So uh, I know Don, just from you and I talking about it, you know. Covering that team, uh, a lot of ups and downs. The ups have been great, but uh, there also been some uh, tough years as well. Oh, absolutely. Well, it's, uh, you know, you look back at the Phillies' record. They're playing 140 years, and they've been to exactly eight World Series, which isn't uh, a big number compared with uh, some of the teams. Like, what are the Yankees been to 27 World Series, something like that? Right. So, you know, but, uh, you know, it's you take what you get, and I know the city has been really happy with this team this year and uh, the way things turned out, even if they did lose the series. They got there. And, uh, boy, the crowd. One story, one story and, and I'm really throwing this right out of left field because the fact you brought up writing the book without Lewis about the no-hitters, uh, I wonder if uh, he included in that uh, no-hitter production the one at Evans Field in Brooklyn uh, that was pitched the, uh, against the Philadelphia Phillies, and it was a no-hitter, and the reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer didn't make the game. <laughs> he made his story up, put it in the, in the paper the next day, but he forgot one thing. He forgot to mention it was a no-hit game. Did they talk <laughs> about that one? I'm, I'm trying to think of who that, who that was. I, I, I don't remember. I, I can't tell you the writer because it was like, it had to be like in the early 40s, I guess, or, or in that 40 area. I heard the story many times, but I never heard who the writer was that didn't make the game and made up the story. <laughs> well, I, I, I well, Bill Conley would do that every once in a while. He'd go on a road trip with the Eagles, and he, he, he'd, he'd have uh, what he called from the bulletin. He'd get his notes on the way back on a plane. He'd write the greatest story in the world, but he wasn't at the game. <laughs> well, yeah, now, there's a lot of stories like this. I remember, and you know, one of one of your people down in Florida for many years, Danny Litwaller. Um, Danny was an outfielder for eleven years in the big leagues, and was a, a player with the Phillies. And in nineteen forty-two, he became the first player in major league history, first outfielder, 
to play a whole season without an error. And he didn't realize that. There was a game, they were playing against the Giants, and there was rain all over. The, it had rained, and the field was real, real slippery. And Johnny Mize hit a ball to left field where Danny was playing. And Danny came running after it, and he slipped and fell in, in, the, in the field. It was so wet. And the ball tipped, hit off his hand and, and went, and Mize got on base. Well, they gave they gave uh, Litwaller an error for that, and <laughs> he never knew. And and a couple of days later, he was looking at the box score, and there was no error in the box score. So he says, "What the heck happened here?" And you know, Danny was a good friend of mine. He lived in Clearwater for many years after he retired, and of course, along the way, he was the head baseball coach at uh, Florida Florida State, and so forth, but uh, anyway, so he says, what the heck happened, What's, and he asked one of the reporters, and he says, oh, he said, didn't you hear the story, and he, he said, no, what happened, he says, I made it, I was given an error on that play, he said, no, he said, after the game, he says, Johnny Myers came storming up to the press box, in his uniform, he didn't even take it off yet, and he went to the <laughs> scorekeeper, who I forget who it was, and uh, he said, what the heck are you doing giving him an error? He says, I was a hit for me, and I'm trying to bat, I'm trying to bat 300, and you <laughs> took away a hit from me? And he's yelling and screaming at him, and the guy changed, changed it and made it into a hit. And Danny never knew that until he saw the box score. <laughs> so, it's just one of these things, you know, you never know. I was going to say I've Never heard stories. Over it's over. I've heard stories like that of us covering uh, the uh, A League, Florida A League team down here, and a buddy of mine, a rich, you know him, uh, Spitz, John. Uh, he's he was the official scorer a few times, and a lot of players, if it was a questionable call, they'd come right up to, or the manager usually would call them right after the game and say, "Change it." So not unusual to have that happen if you're a scorer. Oh yeah. Well, I was I was the scorer at Phillies games for a while, some years ago. I was one of the scorers, and uh, I remember a couple times players would call up from the dugout right. after you made a call, or try to argue uh, <laughs> you argue the call to to change it, or you, and uh, you know that happened a couple times, and sometimes they'd call up to the PR people and get them to go argue for them. So, <laughs> in fact, you, you talk about scorekeeping. That was that was one tough job. I'll tell you. Which West got our special guest this segment of the program. We're chatting about, well, a number of things. One, of course, the young man that played baseball for the Philadelphia Phillies this year in the month of September came up uh, that lives here in Sarasota but went to school at the, in, in Venice, uh, played for Venice High School, but then, of course, was drafted. Uh, maybe before we leave that story, just quickly uh, chat a little bit about where he was drafted and what happened between then and when he got to the Phillies. Well, he was drafted originally by the Minnesota Twins. And at that time, he was in college at, at Florida University. And he turned it down and continued to play in college. Well, a few years later, the Phillies drafted him. And by this time, he was basically done college. So he took took the draft and went into their minor league system. And he this was uh, 2017 when this happened. So he was in the minors until they called him up this past September, and uh, he worked his way up. He started low, 
low class A and worked his way up. He played in Clearwater and Reading and finally uh, Lehigh Valley, which is in Allentown. And that's where he was playing triple A ball when the Phillies called him up in September. So he's, he, he's had a good Doug, career. Get... Go ahead, Doug. I was going to say, uh, I've had a chance over the years uh, uh, to call a lot of the high school sports and, and a lot of baseball down here. Sarasota High is another great program. Clyde Metcalf for many years sent uh, many players to the major leagues. And now Venice the last, I'd say, 10 or 15 years has kind of uh, uh, got up to that level as well. So a lot of people don't realize the, the great hotbed not only of football talent in Florida, but baseball talent, particularly in this part of Florida and Sarasota, Bradenton, and Venice. Well, t- Dalton told me that the reason he went to Venice, even though he was a resident of Sarasota, that his father sent him there because they had a better baseball program. Yeah. And it was such a good one that his father wanted him to go there instead of stay in Sarasota, which is what he did. Rich Westcott, our guest, said in summation, uh, let's chat a little bit. I said, my number may be incorrect, I had 27 books, but touch on a couple that you'd like to mention and, and how people get a chance to. Uh, to read if they're a Philly historian or whether some of the other things that you've written about over the years, uh, maybe they'd like to check in and, and take a look at some of your books. Well, um, you know, I, I mentioned that the last one I wrote was uh, about the amazing Philly's feats, and uh, the one before that I wrote a book on a guy named Biz Mackey, who was a Hall of Fame Negro League catcher, uh, the greatest all-around catcher in Negro League history. And... Uh, I'd also done a book on uh, Eddie Gottlieb, uh, who was a really fascinating book, given all the things he's done over the years, or did over the years. What and, a character. Uh, he, uh, <laughs> a, a, the amazing thing today, and I uh, tried to write something about this for the Inquirer, and they wouldn't take it, is that uh, Gottlieb uh, was born in Kiev, uh, Ukraine, and he, his father and mother uh, had to leave uh, because they were persecuted by the, the Russians back then. Uh, and so he left. They, they left when he was four years old. And uh, that was in uh, 19, uh, 1898 when he came to this country. But uh, anyway, uh, that was another one. I, one of my favorite books, I, I wrote a book about Philadelphia pro teams that have won championships. Um and in all all the pro sports, and uh, going back to the original days with the athletics, who won four or five World Series, and then I went up. Actually, the book came out before the Eagles won the Super Bowl, um, mm-hmm. but I went up through all those other teams: the Flyers, Sixers, Phillies, Warriors, and so forth. And that was a real fun book to do because I got to talk to a lot of the more recent guys, and. Uh, you know, that's, that's been carrying along. The book I did on Mickey Vernon, who uh, was, uh, he's a Delaware County guy here, and, you know, two-time American League batting champion, and just an absolutely great person. And it was a real fun book to do with him. So it's been, it's been, it did, did uh, you know, seven or eight Phillies books, and, did one called the Phillies Encyclopedia, which is covers every fraction of Phillies history, and that's a that's a big book. We have three editions. I did that with Frank Belosky, who used to work for the Bulletin. 
years ago. But uh, yeah, it's been fun. A lot of, a lot of big, good fun out there. Talks with a lot of interesting people. Well, Doug, I'll let you close things out. First of all, Rich, thank you very, very much for joining us again. I hope we can have you on not only this show, but uh, the other show every once in a while, uh, just to touch on some of the things that are happening in the world of sports that you've touched on. Well, that'd be good. I'd, I'd love to do it. 